Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. I don't know about you, but I have been told many times to get the let out. And it's kind of a funny expression, but it's not so funny if you are dealing with lead paint in your house, lead pipes in your plumbing, or lead contamination in your soil. Uh, Our guests this morning are going to talk about the importance of being aware of issues like lead paint, like lead in your soil. We're also going to talk about an upcoming event for residents of McKeesport, uh, although this information I think is going to be applicable to anybody in our listening area, where home gardeners are going to be able to get their soil tested for lead contamination. Uh, we're welcoming this morning Taylor Musil, who is Health Policy Coordinator for Women for a Healthy Environment. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning. It's great to be with you today. And well, thank you for being with us. And Hannah Beatley, who is Health uh Healthy Homes Coordinator, excuse me, Healthy Homes Coordinator. Uh, Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Thank you. Well, thank you both. I'm going to start with, um, well, let's start with Taylor. Uh, Tell us about the event that is coming up on, I believe, May 22nd uh, for residents in the city of McKeesport. Absolutely. Uh, So we have a free soil testing event um, that is happening on Saturday, May 22nd, um, where anyone um, in McKeesport um, or the surrounding area can bring um, samples Uh, from their uh, garden or from an area next door to their home um, that they are maybe concerned about uh, contaminants to get uh, it tested. Um, And so in order to get the details on, um, you know, preparing the sample and um, all those details, we do ask that people register in advance because we are still um, trying to be safe with COVID. And so it is a drop-off only event um, where we'll ask you to register ahead of time. And soil samples will be dropped off um, at the McKeesport Community Garden at uh, 1027 Walnut Street. Uh, we're, we're talking about the Get the Let Out Pittsburgh campaign, but in, in particular, we're going to talk about how it is applicable to our Mon Valley area. Uh, Taylor Musil and uh, Hannah Beatley from Women for Healthy and Environment are with us this morning. Um, I, I, I don't know who wants to field this, but you did some soil sample testing in McKeesport in December. And I, I don't know, not sure who wants to handle this. Um, Hannah, maybe. What did you learn from the soil samples that you tested in McKeesport in December? Yeah, I can uh, start and then I'll pass it over to Taylor because she was really involved in that. But we did find based on, you know, the homes that were tested that 83% of the gardens tested um, high for some type of um, elevated lead in the soil. But I'll let Taylor talk about that. 83%, you said. Yeah, Taylor, give us a little more detail on that. Yeah, so the 83% of the soils that were above um, what are considered safe levels were really when we're thinking about growing in the soil. And so there are different standards for when you're you know, growing food that you will eat and consume, when children who are more at high risk of lead poisoning are playing there, and then just for the general population. And so 17% of those samples um, were above uh, that middle standard that's um, safe for children to play. So you know, we didn't take a huge sample, which is why we wanted to do the second round of testing. Um, But even just those preliminary results show that um, it's a conversation we should be having in the McKeesport area about 
um, you know, what is in our soil and where there is bare soil or vacant lots near homes that are deteriorating or demolition occurs, um, how safe is it? And are we doing, you know, things that are necessary in order to protect uh, community members from exposure to, to lead in that soil? When we're talking about um, exposure to lead, what sorts of health effects are we talking about? Because I think one of the things with, you know, it's not like um, certain kinds of toxic chemicals where you have an immediate reaction, certain types of environmental air pollution, for instance, you know, you have asthma or it makes your eyes water or, you, you know, you, you have a rash or something. What, what does lead contamination do? Yeah, I can take a stab at that, Mentale, if I missed anything. But so really, you brought up a good point. The common misconception about lead poisoning is that sometimes you really don't see it right away. And so you really don't think that there's an issue. Um, and so it is something that really can take effect over, you know, the span of a lifetime. But typically in children, what it can look like is delayed development. Um, a lot of uh, elevated lead uh, levels have been linked to um, higher rates of ADHD and other developmental um, disorders. And really you see that, too, in terms of like behavior. Um, and so, you know, behavior changes and behavior out, um, outbursts in elementary or even into middle and high school. And then, you know, newer studies, too, um, and not too, too new, we've seen this link is also linking, you know, some higher levels of lead to even, um, you know, system later on in lifetime, too. And so there really is lead across the lifespan. You know, you really do see the, the permanent impacts of lead poisoning, um, you know, early on in life and really throughout um, throughout a lifetime. We're talking with uh, Hannah Beatley and Taylor Musel for Women for a Healthy Environment. Um, Taylor, do you have a website that people can check out for more information? Absolutely. Um, you can go to www.womenforahealthyenvironment.org. Um, and we have a lot of information related to our three program areas that are healthy homes, healthy schools, and healthy early learning centers and steps that, you know, you can take within those spaces to have a healthier environment. Um, but then we also have um, information related to advocacy um, and some system and policy solutions that we advocate for as an organization um, to prevent, you know, environmental exposures that impact public health overall. Now, Hannah was talking about some of the, the developmental difficulties, uh, for instance, that, that, that prolonged exposure um, to lead in children can cause low test scores, um, trouble learning, trouble focusing. Um, I, I have also seen it linked to, uh, in adults, high blood pressure, for instance. But let's let's start with children first. Why are children more susceptible, or at least I have read uh, in different articles that children are more susceptible to being exposed to lead dust, for instance, than adults? Why is that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, pound for pound, children eat, breathe, drink more than adults in general. Okay. Um, but also, you know, children are developing, you know, they're learning, they're exploring their environment. And so most, you know, most children, we want them to crawl around, we want them to use their ledges to pull themselves up on, and we want them to explore their spaces. But the downside of that is if that space is contaminated with lead dust, they're going to directly ingest that from through hand to mouth behavior. So that actually is a primary route of exposure, um, is really ingesting lead dust from, you know, in older houses or in soil or, you know, directly ingesting it just because they are exploring their environments and really utilizing their hands to do that. So they're, they're playing on the floor. Um, right. We send them outside to play and they, they play they play in the dirt. They right. build a house. You know, they, they make mud pies. The kids still make mud pies. I'm old. I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the, they're out, you know, that was always a sign of, of a successful childhood. I thought if you came right. in, came in the house all dirty, right. After a long day in the summertime, but all that dirt gets into your food, gets into your nose, you breathe it in. You you take a drink of water, you take a drink of juice, and then it gets gets to them too. Right, what about pregnant women? 
Um, are they susceptible to, to lead poisoning too? And, and does it cause developmental difficulties for their unborn children? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and yes, so lead can easily pass through, um, you know, the placenta. And that is something that, um, you know, we've been talking more about um, lately as well, too. And so, yes, you know, higher levels of lead in pregnant women can be seen in, um, you know, in a fetus or in utero as well. And that can impact, um, you know, the, the development of a baby birth or low birth weight. Um, and there's a lot of studies through um, ACOG, um, which is uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology National Association. CDC has a lot of information. And so it is something we do know more about. Um, but yeah, it is something that, you know, we really do need to make sure that we're spreading information and awareness about. Is lead poisoning curable? I mean, once the lead builds up in your body, can it be removed? So I can take that, Taylor, if you want to, you know, build mm-hmm. But yeah, so a certain amounts of, you know, what basically when you get to above a really, really bad level, which in children is usually around 40 and adults can be a little bit higher. There's a term called chelation, which is a medical, um, you know, a medical term in a medical practice that really kind of removes the lead from your body. Now, that typically only happens if you're at a really, really high level. Beyond that, it really just kind of um, can be found and stored in your bones um, because that's typically where it will end up. And then that's kind of what also another reason why, you know, it is a, an issue that we do think about in pregnant women as well, because as your bones are moving, your body's shifting, some of that lead can leach back into your body and into your bloodstream. We have to take a 30-second break. When we come back, I, I want to talk just a little bit more about these developmental effects of lead, but then I want to talk about why older homes and a lot of the homes in the Pittsburgh area are pre-World War II, certainly pre-1980. And we'll talk about why that is a factor in in lead exposure. And then also later on in the half hour here, talk about mitigation strategies, how you can protect yourself, whether you're a gardener, whether you're doing home remodeling, whatever it is from lead exposure. Okay. Uh, our guests this morning are uh, Taylor Musel. She is health policy coordinator with Women for a Healthy Environment. Also on the line with us this morning is Hannah Beatley. She is the healthy homes coordinator. We're talking in particular about uh, their efforts to get the lead out of, of homes and, and get the word out in places like McKeesport, like Braddock, about the dangers of toxic lead exposure and what you can do to protect yourself. We're also going to tell you more about the event coming up on May 22nd for home produce gardeners, people who grow fruit and vegetables uh, in McKeesport to get their soil tested. From the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, you're listening to to you're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. Hannah Beatley and Taylor Musor are with Women for Healthy Environment, Women for a Healthy Environment, and uh, we're talking about in particular their efforts in the Mon Valley area, uh, McKeesport in particular. But did I hear correctly that you're also doing some work in Wilkinsburg and certainly in the city of Pittsburgh? Have I heard that correctly? Yep. Ex- yep. Exactly. That's true. Our Get the Let Out um, campaign. We uh, really focus in on environmental justice areas that are experiencing higher rates of elevated blood lead levels. And okay. They're kind of how we landed in those pockets of the county. Now, our radio studio is is located in a building that was built in the 1930s. Our my home was built in 1925. Uh, why are we more likely to be exposed to lead in, in in one of those environments than, for instance, in a brand new home or or in a brand new building? Yeah. Sure. And. 
1978 is the magic number. If you're looking at how old okay. your, yep, if you're looking at how old your home is, that's the year that um, lead paint or lead was banned and phased out completely from uh, residential paint. And so we were using leaded paint um, and more concentrated kind of the earlier you go back, especially oh. pre-1950. Um, so your home would, unfortunately, and probably some of the layers have really concentrated lead paint. And the reason we added lead was because it made it more durable. Okay. Um, and so you'll notice even when it cracks and peels, it doesn't peel like latex paint. It's it's sort of thicker and it's like the big chunks you, you see at crocodiling. It. You can bend it mm-hmm. like kind of flexible, yeah. Um, and so we used it for, for that, you know, benefit, but of course, um, the risks and the dangers associated with it, um, were so great that, um, it was banned by the EPA and, um, by the United States. And so that is why it's really important to know, um, how, how old your, your home is and why it's really important, even in, um, situations like a demolition and we're tearing down old homes. Um, but I, I also want to mention that when we think about lead and soil, it's also about um, leaded gasoline. I was so going to ask, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So when you go to fill up your car, you see unleaded, right? And that's because we used to have leaded gas. And so um, especially near, uh, you know, homes that are near roadways or where there's heavy traffic areas, over time, that release lead that is now in the soil. And so there are multiple sources that, um, you know, create contamination for, for the ground. We, we've heard a lot in the news recently about um, leaded water pipes, particularly in Flint, Michigan. They had a terrible problem up there. But Pittsburgh, uh, the city of Pittsburgh, has some leaded water lines. And I think probably most of the older communities in the Pittsburgh area have some leaded water lines. Um why did they, if they knew lead was dangerous, why were they using it in water lines? Yeah, so like like Taylor mentioned, it's a good product. It's a malleable product. It's soft. You can bend it. So, can... Yes, exactly. And so, um, you know, it was, a, it was a good product in that sense that it was a durable product. Um, what we didn't know for a while or what we did know but kind of ignored for a while was, you know, the dangerous and hazardous effects of, of exposure to lead. Um, and so now there are, you know, different mitigation strategies that water authorities can do. One of those being identifying where the lead lines are and starting and creating, you know, strategies to remove them and do full part, uh, full lead line replacements. But there are um, other, you know, options in terms of um, adding things like orthophosphate that can help um, you know, lower the levels of lead um, that can leach into the water. But I will say that a common misconception about lead in drinking water is that, you know, it's it leaves the facility, but that's not true. It is, it's from the fixtures. Yeah. So um, that is something that people just maybe don't realize. So you, if you have really old water pipes in your house or you have a really old house, you might have some, I don't, I think we've checked and I don't think we have any in this house, but I know we have some very old plumbing in this house because the plumber told us so. Uh, toys. I read that, Certain types of older toys either were painted with lead paint or in some cases like the toy soldiers that a lot of people collect. Sometimes those are made of lead. It's kind of crazy. And, you know, um, we we actually offer that through Women for a Healthy Environment. We have an XRF so we can do free toy testing. Um, another place that you can see it sometimes is in like um, imported or um, like, cosm- or, uh, uh, like costume jewelry. Yeah. So things like that, as well as um, in even some dishware, you know, if you've gotten some cheaper dishware or flatware, things like that. Um, sometimes you can see that, you know, either if it's hand painted or, um, you know, something along those lines. And so, uh, yeah, we do have that service. We can help um, people, you know, identify different items in their home that they might be worried about. But it is it's a, you know, another weird way that you can be exposed to lead and not really know. 
Uh, we're talking with uh, Hannah Beatley. She is Healthy Homes Coordinator uh, with Women for a Healthy Environment. Also on the line with us is Taylor Musso, who is Health Policy Coordinator. Uh, you can find out more about the organization, womenforahealthyenvironment.org, coming up on May 22nd in McKeesport. You do need to register in advance for this uh, if you are a home gardener who grows uh, fruit or vegetables and you would like to have your soil tested for lead. Uh, an early study, it was a small sample size, but uh, an early study in the city of McKeesport concluded that 83% of the homes uh, in the city of McKeesport that were tested uh, had lead levels in their soil that were considered unsafe for growing produce in. Um, Taylor, can you give us that uh, website address where people can register to, to have their soil tested? Yeah, if you go to gettheleadoutpgh.org, um, it's a take action tab, and it will, um, it will take you directly to the registration page uh, where you can um, register event and then once you're registered you'll get the instructions on how to collect your soil samples and um, the location date and time for where to drop that off like we mentioned that's may 22nd um, from 10 a, from 10 a.m to 2 p.m get the let out pgh.org and if you want to have your soil tested and you live in the in mckeesport or the immediate area uh, you do need to register in advance for that we have probably scared a lot of people we're going to talk about some mitigation strategies so that you know that you can uh, mitigate and uh, your, your, your control your risk. But Taylor, you're the health policy coordinator. So I want to ask you a, kind of a maybe a curveball question. And that is, what can people do if they're listening to this and they're concerned? Um, they're concerned about their neighbors. They're concerned about themselves. They're concerned about leaded water lines. Um, from a policy perspective, what can they be doing with their local legislators, their borough council, their township commissioners, whatever? Who can they be talking to? If, if they hear this and they're like, yeah, this is a problem and I'd like to help work on it. That's a question we love to answer. So thanks for asking. Okay. Um, yeah. In terms of policy and thinking about how to prevent exposure, because there is no safe level of lead. And so really the only um, safe and uh, 100% effective solution is to prevent exposure in the first place. And so the policies that I think are really important to bring up when you're talking to both like your local um, elected officials, like a mayor or a council person, um, and even at a county level and state level, um, and then obviously all the way up to our federal. Um, but our, the policies are thinking about testing our environments. And so requiring that when we're registering or licensing a rental unit, that we're inspecting them, you know, not just to see, does it have a working door? Do they have smoke alarms? But do, is there are there lead hazards here? And, and can those be remediated before people live there? And then when we do um, demolitions, it's really important to um, use what's called the wet, wet, wet method. And so it's uh, spraying water on the demolition before, during, and after to stop um, a dust plume of lead to go, you know, spreading up to 400 feet in the neighborhood. And then we also call, and it's really important given some hot topics right now um, about lead service lines to replace those lead service lines and not just replace up to what we call the curb box or kind of where the sidewalk is, but to replace all the way into where your plumbing starts in your basement. So that way, you know, we're replacing the entire lead line and not just, you know, part of it. Um, and then the, the last thing would be that when work is done and we're renovating homes, um, and there's a lot of that happening, especially in the Pittsburgh area and across the county, um, that we want to make sure that the people who are renovating are certified by the EPA according to um, the federal um, requirements that are already in place and that people are using lead safe practices. And so you can actually go online and, and search to see 
um, where you can find um, certified contractors. And we're, um, as a you know, part of um, Get the Lead Out and the Lead Safe Allegheny Coalition, working to educate and provide those trainings to even contractors in the area. But yeah, these are really important issues to bring up um, to our policymakers as well as take action in our, our own houses. We have to take a second 30-second break. The, the time goes quickly when we come back. I want to talk about some of those mitigation strategies, um, what people can do around their home to make sure that they keep themselves safe. You've already talked about, for instance, uh, when you're having renovations done, to make sure you're doing it in a little lead-safe way. Okay? From the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes on Tube City Online Radio. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Taylor, I'm going to ask you a hard question because I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, have been listening to this and they're thinking, oh, this sounds expensive, right? This sounds, oh, this is going to cost me, oh, I'm going to have to... I have to hire a lead-safe contractor. How much expense are we talking about to to do? If you're doing renovations in your home, how much extra expense are we talking about to make sure you're doing it in a lead-safe way? Yeah, so when it comes to um, exposure in the home, especially through paint and dust, um, it's really about maintenance. And so things that would, um, you know, be involved with regular maintenance of a home, like adding an extra layer of paint or cleaning off windowsills or replacing windows that are old. Um, All of those are things that will prevent lead exposure. Um, But there was also a study that was done in Rochester, New York, where they were requiring um, lead hazards to be addressed in their rental inspections. And they found that the average cost for landlords who were um, having to do some interim controls to control those hazards was $150. So of course that means that in some places, if you're replacing a window or multiple windows, it'll be more expensive. If it's just, you know, getting paint and um, painting it in a lead safe manner, that's going to be much less expensive. And I also think in this this um, conversation, it's really important to talk about the cost of not doing anything. Sure. And so, um, sure. you know, it's it's around two or three billion um, that it costs in particularly lifetime earnings for people who are lead poisoned. If you were to just that's for the state of Pennsylvania. If you were to look at just 2019 and those children born that year, and that for every dollar you invest in lead poisoning prevention, there's up to $217 on return. So even if we're just to think about this economically, um, it, it's worth it um, from that perspective as well. Now, now we started off talking a little bit about this uh, soil testing that has been there was, was some sampling done in the city of McKeesport in December, and there's, gonna, there's a wider effort now to sample for home gardeners to, to sample the soil. For the home gardener out there who is growing peppers or tomatoes or whatever, what can they do to if they find out that there's lead in their soil, or even if they don't, what are some things that they can do to, to mitigate their own exposure to, to lead that, as you said, might either be from lead paint from a house that was torn down or leaded gasoline that was used for many years that may have settled into their soil? Yeah, so a good rule of thumb in general when gardening, especially if you don't know what is in your soil, is to use a raised garden bed. Okay. Um, you can. Uh, it's easy. You can buy fresh soil um, and you just raise, basically you can create your own or you can purchase one. Um, but that is a really good rule of thumb, um, especially if you do know that you do have any kind of lead or any other kind of heavy metal in your soil. Um, it really is just a better rule of thumb. You know, you know where your, your food so, is growing. So, a raised, so a ra- how far off the ground should you raise it? 
Um, really just as long as it's above the soil, but Taylor, do you have a better recommendation for that? Yeah. What, what that's more about is, you know, when you do a raised bed, you bring in new topsoil. Right. And so it's about so don't reuse the old, soil. don't reuse right. the old right. soil. Don't yes. dig another <laughs> hole and, and then put and that put, in. Use this. Yeah. But no, but I think that's because that's something that, yeah. you, you know, you could hear, oh, well, I don't need to go buy t- potting soil. I can just dig up. But that's the problem in the first place. Right. Yeah. So the, the whole point of it. Yeah. So the whole point of it is to get fresh new soil that is not from mm-hmm. the ground. Um, and so that's, that's really the ideal, um, you know, best practice to um, help, you know, mitigate or minimize exposure through urban gardening or any type of gardening. Something, something that we touched on briefly, and I know we're running short on time is you, you, we talked about toys and toy soldiers. A lot of people that I know collect antiques. Um, my uh, dad who passed away recently, but he was a fisherman, had a lot of lead shot and lead sinkers that he used as weights. Um, he had uh, lead shot that he used in, in pellet rifles and things like that. So for the hobbyist out there who is collecting antiques or collecting uh, old firearms or fishing, what are some lead strategies that they should be using as well to keep themselves safe when they're doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, probably a good rule of thumb in general to be, a, keep that away from children. Um, obviously, we can keep those in spaces that children are you know, not around. Um, but be to keep yourself safe, too, is to really just kind of, um, you know, a, if, you, if you are, if it's part of an occupation, um, there are you know, federal requirements that you are supposed to be tested regularly for your your blood should be tested regularly but if it is a hobby just make sure that you're trying to do it in a lead safe way so if you are creating dust make sure that you're containing it in those spaces if you are you know around it and breathing it in maybe try to make sure that you're wearing some type of face mask or something to protect you from breathing that dust in as well or even just ingesting it we all have a lot of n95 masks right now so everybody's got one now Yeah. Right. Exactly. So there definitely are some spaces where, you know, um, a, a, a different one that I had heard about recently was like stained glass. Yes. Um, yeah. That. Um, and so that's a, a really common uh, way to be. There are some, you know, best practices um, in terms of just maintaining and containing that dust. And, and, and probably some of those same rules apply to the home handy person who is uh, remodeling his or her own home, maybe drilling into right. a wall. Same thing. Um, right. Wet, 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 I think was one of the things I heard. And dust masks and, and, and dispose of things properly. Yeah. So this is actually something that, you know, with COVID-19, we saw a lot of last spring. A lot of people were home and they had time to work on the projects that they've been kind of putting off for a while. And so um, we did see a lot of spike in DIYing and doing some of our own home renovation um, which you just, it's okay. You just have to make sure you're doing that in a lead safe way. So we do have resources for that on the get the lead out uh, pgh.org website. But a lot of that is really just trying to do that in a lead safe way. And so all the things that we had talked about before, so things like wet sanding and containing your dust and putting up plastic coverings and things like that, that really can help um, keep a, a space safe. But I will put a caveat that, you know, if you're not comfortable and you're not properly trained in doing that lead safely, it can create more harm than do good. Sure. So really, you know, if it's kind of out of your league, make sure that you, um, if you are going to hire a contractor, hire an RRP certified contractor, which is a federal mandate. Anybody doing work in a pre-1978 home that's disturbing more than six um, square feet has to be RRP certified, which basically means they're trained to do things lead safely. If you have your soil tested at this event on May 22nd, or you have your soil tested anytime, the the, the soil police are not going to come to your house, because there's probably some people who are afraid of, if I have my house tested or I have my soil tested, that somebody's going to come and, and condemn my house or tell me I can't live there anymore. And, and people are probably frightened about that. That is not 
going to happen. Right. If we if we test your soil through this event, um, it's purely for um, knowledge and then to help people make informed decisions on, you know, where they want to place their garden and how they want to do that. And so maybe it'll be, a, you know, a difference of do I grow something that has leafy greens that could catch a lot of that soil or do I grow something that fruits above the ground like a pepper mm-hmm. or a tomato? Um, and, and we will follow up um, because we are connected to a lot of resources. And so um, the, the only uh, communication you'll receive following is just to make sure you receive the results, which will come in about two weeks. And then um, we'll just see if anyone has any questions or needs help being connected to resources moving forward. So there's really no risk to the, to the homeowner who wants to get more information. It's, it's all about their benefit. And it, and it sounds to me like a lot of this stuff is low cost things that people can do. And, and in many cases are probably doing already. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Uh, Hannah Beatley and Taylor Musel are with Women for a Healthy Environment. You can find their website at womenforahealthyenvironment.org if you're interested in having your home tested for lead or having your soil tested for lead. If you are in the city of McKeesport and you are putting in a garden this spring or summer, you can go to gettheleadoutpgh.org. Click the tab uh, for what you can do to keep yourself and your kids and your grandkids safe. Uh, Taylor and Hannah, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us this morning. Thanks for letting us come and join you and thanks for letting us share some information about the event coming up. Of course. Yes. Thank you. And thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Two Rivers Center for Business and Innovation. I did it again. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.